Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. We're all feeling the pinch right now as inflation continues to soar ever higher, and it feels like there is nothing that hasn't been touched by a price increase. Last week, I had to pay a fuel surcharge for a load of garbage I drove to the dump. What's the craziest price increase you've seen? That's what we're talking about over on the What She Said Facebook page, so be sure to jump on over after the show and share. But first, settle in for today's show, because if there is one positive that has come about as a result of Roe v. Wade in the U.S., it's that it's opened up broader discussions about women's reproductive health here in Canada. The reality is that one in three women will have an abortion in their lifetime. Unfortunately, many women do not understand the options available to them when it comes to abortion. And more crucially, they don't always have easy access. Marian Ullman, General Manager and Director of Line Pharma International, joins me today to discuss recent findings from a Leger survey and what Canadian women need to know about accessing safe abortions in Canada. You can't be what you can't see, which is why I'm so grateful that Farah Nasser joins me this week to discuss her new role as weekend anchor with Global National. Farah shares why remaining true to yourself is crucial, why talking about mental health openly is so important, and why this is her year of saying no. Thank you very much. It's feast or famine in the entertainment industry, and this week it's definitely feast. With so much new in entertainment, we simply can't get to it all, so be sure to jump on over to whatshesaidtalk.com after today's episode to catch them all. But first, listen to Anne Brody's thoughts on The Man from Toronto, starring Woody Harrelson and Kevin Hart, official competition with Antonio Banderas and Penelope Cruz, plus you won't want to miss Endangered from Ronan Farrow on HBO that takes a closer look at anti-journalistic sentiment from both governments and citizens in nations where freedom of the press was once taken for granted. Would-be travelers are a lot more mindful of their environmental impact, and after two years to think about it, they are looking to do things differently. Thankfully, Intrepid Travel has answered the call. Dr. Suzanne Eddy, Global Environmental Impact Manager of Intrepid Travel, joins me to discuss what it looks like to be a B Corps travel provider, how they are continuously looking for ways to reduce their carbon footprint, and why travel can help local economies without harming it. Finally, a little positivity to close the show this week. Anna Pack is here to share her new single, Bite the Rainbow, an empowering song about shattering the boxes societal norms put us in. Anna shares what inspired her to write the song before we turn the volume up and dance our little hearts out to celebrate Pride Month. It's another full week at What She Said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. As we record this interview, women's rights advocates are holding their breath to see if the U.S. Supreme Court will strike down Roe v. Wade. 
If there has been one small bright spot in this discussion, though, it's that it's become a much larger discussion about not just safe abortions, but also access to safe abortions. Marian Allman is the general manager and director of Line Pharma International, a global pharmaceutical leader committed to improving sexual and reproductive health by expanding access to safe medication abortion. She is joining me today to share some statistics and information Canadian women need to know. Welcome to the show, Marian. Thank you so much for having me. It is incredibly odd to me. Uh, you know, I post uh, Roe v. Wade baby that we're sitting here in this world even having this discussion at this point. But it's an important one. And I think what we really need to discuss is how many women in Canada will have to access an abortion in their lifetime. So the statistics and all the numbers we have show that uh, one woman uh, in every three women will have an abortion over a lifetime. So that means that 40% of all the, the, pre the pregnancies in Canada are not planned. So it's, it's actually a lot. I mean, it's, uh, it's the same all over the world, but that really means that planning pregnancy uh, is not currently uh, teached enough or taught enough for yeah, I think we, you know, we often hear, you know, whenever the debate about abortion comes up, we often hear about these extreme cases, you know, of of incest or rape. But the reality is, is that a lot of women access abortion for many reasons. Uh, and so, and it's not always easy to obtain. You recently did a study, though, uh, of, of some statistics in Canada. Can you share some of what you found out? Yeah, absolutely. So we did a study actually specifically uh, in Quebec on over 800 women uh, under uh, 45 to try to understand what they know about abortion, what they know about their choice, because what we think is the most important is to have the choice and to have the choice on what you want to do with your body. What is very interesting is uh, we have noticed that, first of all, Almost all the women in Quebec are uh, pro-choice and 95% uh, of the women are saying my body, my choice. And if I don't want a pregnancy, I need to have the option. I think it's a very, very encouraging uh, statistic. Then in terms of what choice do they have, we noticed that they don't know exactly what the difference between different methods what access they can have. So for example, uh, more than half the women they think abortion and, uh, and plan B or uh, contraceptive are the same, and it's not. A lot of women also are not aware that they have different options in terms of abortion. Uh, since 2015 in Canada, you have the choice between a medical abortion, so you take a pill to get an abortion, or a surgical abortion. Right now, women in Quebec are not aware of their options. So we still have a long road to go. Uh, we're not the U.S., but still we need to have uh, a, a conversation about that. I think it's very important. Why is that education piece so so lacking, do you think? why where where are women, where should women, I should say, be able to get that? Is it in is it in school that we should be learning the access to these things? Is it with our our primary caregiver? Because it seems odd to me that we don't know where to go in this situation? That's, that's a very interesting question and it's difficult to answer. I think it comes from different factors, but what we learned through the survey 
is that women trust the doctors to give them the option. So I think it comes from, from first you GP or the nurse practitioner you're seeing, but it's important that doctors are aware of the options and present them fairly to the woman. And, uh, and that's where I think the education comes from. You mentioned something interesting about there's a difference between plan B and abortion medication. That's something that I didn't realize. So can you, uh, you know, prior <laughs> from, we had a pre-call and I, and I learned this, uh, but can you explain the difference? Absolutely. No, that's very interesting. Again, I mean, I think most of the women don't know the difference. So plan B is a pill you're taking 48 hours, up to 48 hours after uh, a non-protected uh, sexual act. And it's not an abortion. It's really a contraceptive method. Abortion, it's up to nine weeks uh, after uh, the report. So it's totally different. Uh, plan B, just after two days, abortion is up to nine weeks. Uh, it's not the same actions, it's not the same mechanism, it's not the same uh, product. And uh, it's very interesting to realize that women really don't know that. And uh, the thing is the same. As we're recording this, you know, it's occurring to me that you're sitting in Toronto, I'm in Ottawa, both, both very populous cities, but a lot of Canadians live in remote areas. What does access to safe abortion look like if you live in, in somewhere that's not a major city uh, area? That's the main, that's the main difficulty right now is, uh, so in terms of abortion, you have two choice. You have surgical abortion. Basically, you go into a doctor and you have a surgery, a DNC, and that means you need, you need a, a clinic and you need the office of a doctor. And then you have medical abortion. Medical abortion, it's a, it's a pill that you take. You get a prescription, you go to the pharmacy, you get your prescription and you go home. So in a lot of remote areas, women are very far from, from clinics. They're sometimes eight hours away from clinics. So it's very difficult time of access to even get a surgical abortion when you're so far from your clinic. So that's why medical abortion is really an option for that, is you can get sent your product at home and have your abortion in the privacy of your home. Um, so it's, it's very important to offer the choice to women, especially when you're living in a remote area and, and you don't have access to, to clinics. So where do you uh, see this going? What, like, what is your hope for Canadian women in terms of access to safe abortions, whether it's surgical or medication? Um, what would you like to see happen uh, so that this is a better system for women? What, what we would like is... is to, to make women aware of their option and to give them a choice and, uh, and for them to make the, the appropriate choice depending on their situation. Right now, we feel that there is not enough uh, awareness on, on safe abortion options. Then what is important is uh, that everyone who wants to have access to abortion should have access to abortion. What we're finding is, especially in Quebec, access is sometimes difficult. And that's why we need to be able to expand the access. And to expand access, that can mean, for example, that all the GP and nurse practitioners can prescribe the product if they need. It's what's going on in the rest of Canada, but not Quebec. And that uh, women are aware that they have options. So you obviously, you, you have a website uh, that helps women um, define their choices, make smart decisions, 
tell me about the website. Absolutely. So I think the best website uh, that um, that currently exists it's called myabortionoptions.ca, and uh, it helps you first guide you on what type of abortion you can have, help you in terms of uh, are you still in uh, the timeline to get an abortion and where to get an abortion. Uh, then we have our own Twitter and uh, and Facebook page or LinkedIn page uh, of the company. It's called Light Pharma International. And there is also a lot of information about that. Well, this is a timely, timely discussion, obviously, with everything happening in the world. Uh, and, you know, what she said is a proudly feminist broadcast. And so I really, really just want to hammer home the point. This is about choice. It's about healthcare. And uh, women um, should be informed. So I hope people will go to that website. Could you just say it one more time for me? Absolutely. It's myabortionoptions.ca. Perfect. We're going to put that in the liner notes of the podcast uh, if people want to learn more. And, you know, just share this information with people so they know their options. That's what I'm hoping listeners will do today after listening to this. Um, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. who you can't see, which is why I'm so thrilled to be joined today by Farah Nasser. Farah is an award-winning journalist and anchor for Global News, and as one of Toronto's most recognizable faces in news, she is a trailblazer in the industry. More importantly, she is a role model and mentor for women everywhere. Farah joins me today to discuss the importance of remaining authentic. Welcome to What She Said, Farah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am thrilled to have you here. I always get a little nervous when I have somebody uh, in in the industry, you know, as as big as yourself. Uh, but you're so relatable and nice. And how do you keep that, uh, you know, in an industry like that? Oh, that's really nice of you to say. First of all, <laughs> um, <laughs> like that's the biggest compliment when people say, you know, it's not, oh, your hair looks great on TV, or you know, like I loved your outfit. It's like you, you seem real. Like you seem like, and I think that's a huge compliment because that's what I not try to be. That's what I what I am. I mean, I don't try to put on a show or put on, you know, some sort of fake voice. I try to just be myself, and um, and I just find, to be honest, it's just easier that way. Like you know, when you're when you're young and you're trying to fit in and trying to, you know, be somebody that that takes a lot of work. And so I've come to this place in my life and most recently a place in my life where I I kind of realized you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be who you are. And um, it's easier than being anyone else. Was there a moment that made you sort of realize that? Because I know that in this industry, there is a lot of pressure to act a certain way, behave a certain way, look a certain way. Was there a moment that you said, you know what? Enough. I, I'm not being true to myself. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, it's very recently, very, very recently. Um, and it happened in therapy. Uh, if I'm being honest, it was kind of a moment where 
I just thought like, I'm putting so much pressure on myself, like pressure on myself from, um, you know, from a work standpoint, you know, I want to be, I want to do justice to the viewers because I know that I'm, you know, I'm bringing them the news. I take it as a huge responsibility for everything to be accurate and, and, uh, to be, to be perfect and presented the right way. And then I have, you know, pressure from, I want to be the perfect mom to my kids and I want to be the perfect wife and the perfect daughter-in-law. And in the South Asian culture, you know, that's a big deal. You, it's a lot of work to be the perfect daughter-in-law and, um, you know, the perfect daughter and just in my community, in my Muslim community, I mean, I'm, I'm very involved. And, and so, you know, you, you say that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a role model and that's a huge compliment, but it also means that I have to, um, always be on and make sure that I'm, I'm, you know, doing my best to, to show, show these young people what it's like. And I think, um, and what they need to do to succeed. And so I think for me, it came to a point where it was like, why do, why am I putting all this pressure on myself? Like, why does everything have to be absolutely to the T perfect? You know, we're talking right now, I have no makeup on in, in a sweatshirt, you know, like if it was maybe a year ago, I would have made sure to be dressed up and perfectly made up for you. But I, I think there's things that for me now, I just, I want to be real. Uh, Again, it's not just easier. I think it's refreshing for people because we're all struggling. These past two years have been so hard. And um, yeah. I think, you know, we've seen that shift happen in social media, even, even, you know, where we had this perfect sort of Instagram curated life to now we have this TikTok where it's this very messy, real sharing of our lives that that's evolved. What I love, though, is that you just very casually dropped you had a moment in therapy. And I, I love that. That is very much keeping it real. Let's talk about that. It's okay not to be okay. Um. Do you, is this a message that you've recently started to share or have you always been very open about this? I, I think I've always been, I mean, I had a really difficult time. I lost a, a twin um, t- 10 years ago and I had to carry him for six weeks after he had passed away and then give birth to uh, both my sons. Um, and he, and, and I, during that time I discovered therapy and I realized how much it helped. Uh, but I kind of did it in like a, 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 few month increment. And then I just let it go. I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm better. I'm better. Let's move on. Let's go back to work. You know, I, I barely took a mat leave even with my daughter. So I just have, have just kept moving. Like I was on this fast train. And recently we had a family, um, uh, a health, really bad health scare in our family. So I took some time off to kind of deal with that. And, uh, and then I realized I hadn't really dug deep into my own issues that I had kind of harbored. So I went back to therapy and I love it. And I, I was doing it at one point, I took a leave and I was doing five hours of therapy a week, if you can imagine. And I feel like it changed me. It changed how I see myself. I learned so much about myself and it's made me the best version of me. And I feel like I'm living the best time in my life right now because I feel secure. I feel secure in who I am and I feel secure in my body. And if people don't like me, that's their problem. You know, it's like, I know it's a horrible thing to say, not terrible, but, but you know, it's, it's what, what they think is not really my business. Like people can think what they want. I feel good about myself. Finally, you know, it's at 42 years old. So I, I, I agree. Uh, one of my favorite books, I don't know if you've ever read it is maybe you should talk to some, to somebody. Uh, if you've never read that book, you have to read that book. It's, it's amazing. Uh, I want to just talk to you quickly then about the year of saying no. Tell me about this for you. So there's a book by Shonda Rhimes, uh, you know, a showrunner who does all this fame, all these shows. Anyway, she has this book called The Year of Saying Yes. And I am going to, I think I should write a book, which is The Year of Saying No. I 
say yes to everybody for everything. I am that that person that's like, you want to MC this? Sure. Yeah, of course I'll do it. It's for a charity. Uh, you know, um, can you mentor my this person? Can you talk to this kid? Can you you know, I'm always yes, 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 yes. And and there's certain things that I will still say yes to, especially the mentoring piece. But I now realize I need to conserve my energy for the people that I really care about and the things that I'm really passionate about. So I'm being so choosy. And I've said I've said no so many times in the past few months. And every time I do it, I get this little boost where I'm like, I'm so proud of myself that I did that because I've never been that person, you know, to say to say no in in, uh, in our culture or our religion, you know, of being Muslim, like it's all about like giving back and helping the community, helping others. And my dad has always said, you know, it's it's what we call seva. It's a good deed to always say yes. Always say yes if you're giving an opportunity to help others. And I've realized I, I understand that, but not at the expense of your own mental capacity. And I finally, finally got that through my head. I'm really proud of that. I love it. All right. So quickly then, just tell me, what are you, what are you channeling your energy into then? What are you saying yes to? I'm saying yes to, uh, you know, everything about my kids, like all the stuff that they want. But I'm also saying yes to myself. I'm taking breaks. I'm spending time with the people who, who fill my life with joy, my friends. Um, I'm, I'm, I have a day off on Tuesday. I'm spending the whole day with my dad um, just doing, I don't know what we're going to do. He, I think he wants to go to Yorkdale Mall. And so he's like, he's never been to Yorkdale. So he's like, let's do that. I'm like, for sure. So I've never done that. Just spent a day with my dad. So it's things that I'm just, I'm like, I want to do this. And I never, life would have been too busy before, but I'm making time for these kind of important things. And then with work, it's just the stories that really matter to me that I'm really focusing on. Amazing. Farah, you're a delight. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a pleasure. Uh, we're going to have you back again. We're going to do a longer podcast because I need more of your story. But in the meantime, in the meantime, where can people connect with you and follow along? I know global news, obviously, but uh, social media? Yeah, for sure. I'm on Twitter at Farah Nasser and I'm on Instagram at Farah Nasser Global. And I hope to figure out TikTok at some point soon. Maybe you can help me. <laughs> I, I'm a newbie there too, but sure, why not? Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. We'll talk again soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks. Who am I if I don't have what it takes? No cracks, no breaks, no mistakes, no pressure. Sometimes it feels like feast or famine when it comes to entertainment, and this week it's definitely all feast. So let's just jump right in, And There's so much to get to. Tell me about the man from Toronto. Oh my God, we've been waiting for this one for so long. Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson shot in Toronto, Brampton, Hart Lake, and Milton to make this espionage story. Well, a hired assassin story, really. It is so funny. Hart has a way of taking ordinary life and just tweaking it, and you're just helpless laughing. So he plays a guy who goes to the wrong cabin for his uh, uh, wife's birthday party, and he walks into an assassination attempt. They think he's the man from Toronto, an internationally renowned assassin, who is actually Woody Harrelson. Just And he, tra he winds up traveling the world with Woody, who has him over a barrel, <clears throat> gun barrel. They escape. Uh, the man from Miami, the man from Tacoma, the brothers from Vancouver. It's just, it feels like one long action sequence, but it is not. It is incredibly funny and witty and warm. And Kelly Cuoco, if you know her, she plays a supporting role. She's not the girlfriend, but um, 
I really enjoyed it. So that's a three thumbs up for The Man from Toronto. And that is that, that's on Netflix, right? Yeah, that's right. All right, excellent. Um, all right, tell me about official competition. Antonio Banderas, haven't seen him in a while. Oh my goodness. And, and I see him this week in a completely different role. So he and um, a Spanish actor called Ar Oscar Martinez stars two big stars making a movie. So it's a movie within a movie. And Penelope Cruz is the boss and she is no pushover. She's uh, demanding and tough. She puts them through a bunch of tests that she thinks will prepare them for the movie that's called Rivalry. And she sets them up against each other in the most insane ways. Um, like she, she makes them make out with the leading woman so that she can uh, tell them what's wrong with her performance. And then she goes and takes their place and does it. And it just gets more and more bizarre. And the, the ego competition is so funny because it's between the two men and you expect that, but you don't expect her to come in and blast them out of the water. Uh, Funny, witty, profound, and I think we're going to see this next awards season. So be watching for official competition, which I think will be an official competition. Is that in theaters and streaming? Where is that? Theaters, yes. Theaters. theaters. All right, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Okay, so I have to tell you, I was drawn to Slashback, and you know I don't really love horror or, or that kind of genre usually, but I, I really liked the uh, the young girls, though, in this. So tell me about Slashback. Well, it's only a little bit of horror because we don't do horror. Let's get that straight. We don't like that stuff. But we have a community of, of uh, preteens or early teens in um, uh, Pang up in Nunavut. And they spend their time biking around, gossiping, having crushes on guys and whatever. They talk just like they're from Toronto, I guess, because of Internet. And, but they still hunt, they still fish and carry on traditions. Well, one of the girls who's a real rabble rouser, troublemaker, she goes off for a bike ride on her own and she discovers a monster consuming a polar bear and then the polar bear coming out, another monster. She goes back to tell them, nobody believes her, but then they start to see signs of uh, zombie infestation through town. All the adults have gone away to a dance. So it's just the children defending the town and, and the, the human, let's say humanity, really, from this monster by themselves. They use their hunting and fishing weapons. They're very creative. And, um, well, you just have to see what happens. But this is a feature film debut by the director, Nyla Inuksuk. And I have an interview with her up on, on the site. Um, her first time ever, and it is so beautifully done. The, the, the women's characters are so beautifully defined and natural and, and unspoiled. And of course, you have this backdrop of Nunavut, and it's just quite outstanding. So, so many reasons to see Slashback. It's, it's a gem. Excellent. All right. Listen, I, there's one I want to get to. I think that's a really important. I think it should be required viewing probably for everybody. Um, and also, I really like Ronan Farrow. So tell me about Endangered. Yes, he executive produces Endangered, which is an HBO original on uh, Crave. It is alarming. And we've seen signs of this over the past few years of reporters being blocked from doing what they do that is keeping governments honest and reporting on their activities they're being targeted killed kidnapped all over the world 
And so these filmmakers go to uh, Brazil, Mexico, and the United States where reporters are being prevented from doing their job. And that is a part of keeping democracy alive. Honestly, it is. It's well, Pharaoh's such an incredible filmmaker um, and, and thought leader. Uh, and there's, he talks to, the, or they talk to the Committee to Protect Journalists, which is actually a thing. And they've been so busy that it's been an onslaught the past few years because anti-media sentiments are growing so much. It's quite alarming, but there are moments of inspiration. So fingers crossed. Uh, so like I said, uh, total feast this week. And we just we do, just don't have the time to get to it all. So please head over to what she said talk.com. Anne has uh, her thoughts on Loot on Apple TV, starring Maya Rudolph. Love her. The Terminal List with Chris Pratt. And of course, Elvis. And Tom Hanks is in that one. So I can't wait to see what you have to say about that one. Well, you won't know what he from what he looks like. He just looks so strange. <laughs> anyway, Amazing. good. Yes. Okay. Thanks, Anne. Hey, bye, Candace. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region. I recently had the opportunity to join Intrepid Travel for a National Parks Tour through America Southwest. It was simply put one of the best travel experiences I've ever had. Intrepid Travel does things differently, which is why I'm so excited to have Dr. Suzanne Eddy join me. Dr. Eddy is the Global Environmental Impact Manager of Intrepid Travel, the world's largest adventure travel company. She has a PhD in natural science specializing in climate change and vector born diseases. Her work at Intrepid Travel centers around global decarbonization, specifically around climate change, performance, biodiversity, carbon reporting, and transitioning the business to the low carbon economy. She joins me today to discuss how Intrepid is approaching travel differently and making a difference. Welcome to the show, Suzanne. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I was blown away by this trip. And I mean, there's a couple of reasons I hadn't traveled in a while. So it was great to be out uh, in nature, of course, which is the best therapy you can get. But I was really impressed with the fact that Intrepid is a B Corp travel company, which seems you're a bit of an outlier, really, because being B Corp is not easy, right? It's not easy at all. So we got, um, it's a very um, time intensive um, process. Um, you basically take your whole business um, under the microscope. Um, you look at five different impact areas and that includes your community, your environment, your governments, but also your workers. And then it's around um, per assessment, around 200 questions. And so it's a lot of work I look, look after with my climate hat on um, after the environment. Um, you have to reach a minimum um, score of 80 plus, 
and you have also to recertify every three years. So we actually did the recertification during the darkest hours properly for the travel industry and got recertified with a new score, which was um, 10% higher than the first one in 2018, which is exciting. That's, that's absolutely incredible. What drives this mission? Like, where does this come from, this purpose that Intrepid has? I think it really comes back to the Humble's beginnings, um, which were in 1989, um, especially if you get a chance to meet our founders. Um, they've really been passionate about, about creating positive change through the joy of travel and really creating experience that benefit both people, but also the planet. So you can see that planet is already core back in 89. And in fact, their first business plan back then included already donations to communities long before they were even making any money. That's incredible. And, you know, one of the things about travel, that's sort of this conundrum we find ourselves in with climate change is that, you know, there's all these uh, drawbacks of travel is in terms of the, of the climate, but to stop traveling means that people on the other end who rely on travel will suffer. So it's finding that balance that's so challenging. So what are some of the things that Intrepid has implemented to ensure that you're being responsible to the people and to the climate? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, and we've definitely seen that, seen that in the last two years when um, the pandemic really stopped our sector. Um, but so it is really important. How do you approach traveling more responsible? So as a business, actually, our climate journey began already back in 2005, um, um, where the business senior managers read a book um, called The Weathermaker by Tim Flannery, which was really at the time about the history and future impacts of climate change. And that kind of fast forward feedback, including from our customers, um, we actually became the largest a world largest um, tour operator that is carbon neutral in 2010. And since then, um, yeah, we have been carbon neutral, which means we actually measure our impact on the environment for our offices, but also for our trips like the one you have been on, we're actually measuring the transportation, the accommodation. And going forward, we will also account for the meals that you consume as part of the intrepid trip. And the, but then in 2018, we also realized, 2018-19, um, that carbon neutrality is not enough anymore and we need to do, do more um, to reduce our impact. And we then became in 2020 the first tour operator in the world with an emission reduction target. And what that means, it's really about having a North Star, um, a 15 years target to really look at how quickly and how much do we need to reduce our emissions across the business so that we still can operate trips and we continue to operate trips in all these um, countries around the world, but we are minimizing our impact on the environment. So we're looking at um, in our offices to go 100% renewable, but on the trips is to remove flights where it's safe, where there's ground transport, for example, in place, to look out for accommodation that is using renewable energy, using local transport, just to give a few examples. I think it's important to highlight here that it, because of what you do and how you run your trips, that the people you partner with, like the hotels and travel and so on, you're sort of putting a downward pressure on them to also participate in this, which is has this wonderful sort of effect for everybody, really. Uh, and so what's the feedback you get from the partners that you work with on the ground? 
No, that's a really good point because um, when you kind of measure your impact on the environment, you can look at your direct emissions from running your vehicles that you own, from purchasing electricity, but a big chunk in our case, especially because we're asset-like, 80% of our emissions actually sit in our value chain or in our supply chain. That's exactly what you just referred to, um, Candice, um, is that it's about our suppliers, for example, we're working with, the, the vehicles we're leasing, um, hotels we're staying in. And it's definitely we're looking at collaborating. It's about working together. Um, we are the world largest B Corp. We are carbon neutral. I'm doing this work, as you described, full-time and intrepid, but many of our suppliers are SMEs, so they're small businesses. They might not, especially following the pandemic, have the resources to invest and paying for consultancies or having a dedicated RB manager. So it's also around collaboration. How can we help them to join us on that journey and to address climate change, share resources, um, and really help them along the journey. I think what really struck me about this trip was because I, I mean, I think about the climate daily. I suffer from eco guilt every day. I, I just, you know, I think about every move I make. And so what I really loved about it is that is all of that thought was kind of done for me. And it was uh, the, that pressure was alleviated on the trip, which felt so good. You know, I didn't have to think about it. It was done for me. But the other thing was that I think people think when you, you know, uh, start to think about the environment, you're going to give up amenities and, and experiences. And there was just, it, it was such a rich experience, uh, really. So how do you, how do you go about sourcing these wonderful uh, experiences? Uh, because what a, what a job that must be. And can I, can I apply? <laughs> yeah, I will pass your compliment on to the team because obviously for my part is very much around kind of providing low carbon guidelines so that's around um, kind of um, education and providing staff with the information and um, to take uh, make low carbon decisions. But then, of course, there's these amazing teams, product team, there's contractor team. They take that knowledge and that um, then really to the ground and to develop those trips. And like the one that you just experienced, because really, especially in the last two years, we have really... Um, kind of focused on the slow travel, looking at more hiking and walking trips because we know they have inherently a smaller footprint because um, it's human powered. You have maybe a transport car, but that's about it. If you're camping, they might not if there's no AC, for example, no fridge, etc. And that's really then kind of also looking at the suppliers. Who can we partner with that have similar values um, that have a smaller footprint? that uh, is a woman-led enterprise, for example, or for example, in some countries, um, we're supporting um, community-based tourism so that you are staying in a community-based accommodation for the night. So it's really the past, like the talent of product team, contracting team to develop those itineraries, but it's all really kind of um, to tread lightly and as you said, to provide that experience to the customer, but also looking not just in environment, but also the social side, which is equally so important that the dollar spends 
spend stays in the community and destination, providing education, empowering women for it just to mention a few. Well, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I have a, a blog post up on my travel blog, Life in Pleasantville, about my experience with the National Parks Tour in the United States. Uh, I, I think it's important to note that intrepid travel is group travel, which is also uh, a really fun way to meet people around the world. I have to tell you, it started out with strangers, ended with a bunch of friends, really love that. Um, so I want people to be able to find out more about you. I just, I can't say enough about all of your amazing uh, trips and that you offer around the globe. So where can people go to find out more? Um, so it's really kind of going to um, intrepid.com. And we also have social channels and all that information you find at, at Intrepid. And that's really the best place to find out more about the tours um, that are there, walking, cycling and much more. But also if you're interested to find out more about our climate action work, I suggest you check out intrepid.com. All right. Incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you. Binary's not the way We're all born naked So just shake it, shake it, shake it But gender is so passe Binary's not the way We're all born naked So just shake it, shake it, shake it Pride Month is coming to a close So we're going to dance on out of it today With Anna Pack Anna's upcoming single Bite the Rainbow Is an empowering song about shattering the boxes Societal norms put us in I've been hearing a bit of Bite the Rainbow For a couple of weeks now on TikTok So I wanted to invite Anna to share her song And tell us a little bit about it She joins me now Welcome to the show Anna Hey, thanks so much for having me. I am kind of addicted to this song. It's like an earworm now. Uh, it's very catchy. Um, how long did it take you to write it? Wait, you know how songs kind of start sounding one way and then you're like, that's not exactly how I want it to sound. And then it turns into something else and into something else and into something else until you finally get the version that you're like, this is it. This is the one. So it did take quite a bit of time to get to the the last production. Um, but writing the lyrics for it didn't take that long because I knew what the message that I wanted to say was. And I was very specific um, with my team that I was working with during writing the lyrics of the song. So the lyrics, I would say, were done in a maybe, let's say, eight hours, maybe, give or take. Um, but the production and kind of the sound and that, that's what took a little bit longer. And what, what inspired you to write it? Was there a moment where you thought, oh, that's it. I got to write this song. Yes. It's, um, there's a lot of, it's always been there, but I feel like currently there's a lot of talk about gender and, you know, it being a binary and so on and so on. And I just feel like those are just social norms that have been put in place, but like there, there's no rhyme or reason for it. Like why? I don't know. I, I go to bed sleeping at night being like, why is that a thing? And so I just feel like if you put people into boxes, like if you force them into that, we're just limited. You, you don't know what someone can do if you just let them be who they actually are. Um, and so, and then on top of that, it's, it's uh, you also have to take the time to find out who you truly are. So it's more of a, it's a journey. It's a, you can take your time 
to find out who you are, or you can find out who you are in a split second. Some people just know, right? So it's one of those things where I just want people to be proud of being themselves. And if you don't know yet, be proud that you're on the journey of knowing who you are. So. And speaking of being proud, you are performing your song this weekend, correct? Absolutely. June 25th at 5 o'clock um, on the Proud FM party stage. It's on church, south of Gould, north of Dundas. Incredible. All right. I want people to be able, we're going to play the full song as soon as we're done here, but I want people to be able to find you. You're always sharing great stuff on TikTok. Love your dances. Love the songs. Uh, you know, your partners on Learn. I love your dynamic together. You guys have so much fun together. Um, so where can people find you? On TikTok, my handle is Anna underscore pack. And on Instagram, it's at Anna pack official. All right. Incredible. Anna, thanks so much. We're going to play Bite the Rainbow right now for you to close out Pride Month. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really over feeling shades of blue. I can't think straight when I think of you. I want to tell you everything I really do. Because I'm scared of losing me and losing you. But gender is so passe. Binary is not the way. We're all born naked. So just shake it, shake it, shake it. But gender is so Binary's not the way We're all born naked So just shake it, shake it, shake it Let me take you for a ride Come and dance with me Tonight's a celebration set Our colors free We're gonna cruise on down the tango Gonna sip late by the rainbow So take me by the hand Say na 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 Let me show you who I am tonight Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So take me by the hand Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.